Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, January 15th. Let's start with what you missed over the last week, then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. All right, so I hope everyone is having a good MLK day as today we get, at least some of us get the day off to commemorate him and his birthday. But we are going to start in the sports world with the NBA. This week, the Bulls and Hornets game went into overtime right off the bat to start the week. But the Bulls scored the first eight points in overtime and they take the W. That same night, the Pacers upset the Celtics after what felt like 100 reviews in the final minutes of their game. Wednesday, we had three games go to overtime. The Celtics went into overtime with the Timberwolves, and Tatum put up 45 points for the Boston team. That helped them win in overtime, and they stay undefeated at home. Then the 76ers and Hawks played a high-scoring game that also went into overtime. The Hawks got that win by seven. And then the Rockets-Bulls game went into overtime after a crazy day. The Bulls had a bad final quarter to end up in overtime, and they but they ultimately got the win there. So it really doesn't happen that you get three games in one night going into overtime, and there was a lot of that just this week in general. The Spurs had a good week. They won two of their three games, kind of unusual, seeing as they didn't have that many games, that many wins to start out with. The first win of the week was against the Pistons, so not a huge surprise there. But Wemby got his first triple-double of his NBA career. Then the second win that week was they destroyed the Hornets, and that was with LaMelo Ball coming back. He made his return in that game, but the Hornets still lose. The Spurs won that game handily, 135-99. to On Thursdays, Cavalier star Mitchell put up 45 points to get their win over the Nets. That game was actually played in Paris. The Bucks also came out hot in their game against the Celtics, 135 to 102. They scored 24 straight points. The Thunder killed the Trailblazers by 62. That ties the fifth largest and win in NBA history. The biggest actually point differential is 73, in case you were wondering. And then rounding out the week, the Kings took the Bucks into overtime and it came down to the wire, but Lillard threw up a three-pointer at the buzzer to end overtime and sunk it. Bucks then win that game by one. Also, like I said, it was LaMelo Ball's return. He also got to return showing his LF tattoo after it was previously banned by the NBA. Now, the initials, if you don't remember the story from a couple of weeks ago, it may have been a couple months ago, actually, now. His initials are, or at least his middle name is LF. That's LaFrance. And so those are, but it's also the name of his clothing line, which is why it's banned by the NBA. So he used to have to wear a bandage over it. Then he was out for a while with an ankle sprain. He obviously, like I just said returned to the court on Friday and scored 28 points although they did lose to the Spurs that tattoo is now not no longer banned by the NBA as well moving along to NCAA college basketball there were no ranked teams in action on Friday but that was pretty much it after after Monday was pretty tame we had a crazy week literally there were upsets all over so Nebraska dominated number one Purdue in both halves on Tuesday. 
This was the only second loss for Purdue, and they lose this game by 16. We then had a ranked matchup in the Big 12 between number 18 BYU and number 14 Baylor. Baylor won by nine, and now BYU is winless in the Big 12. Boise State beat number 17 Colorado State after a strong first half. Number two, Houston took their first loss of the season to Iowa State. They tried to mount a comeback, but fell four points short. They would also lose again to TCU on Saturday. TCU got the ball on a missed free throw with a defensive rebound by Makai Peavy. Emmanuel Miller then got a layup with six seconds left to beat Houston by one. That was also TCU's second top 10 win this week. They also beat number nine, Oklahoma, by nine on Thursday. Like I said, it's been a crazy week. Wednesday, UCF had a great comeback, or rather took advantage of a slow Kansas second half. They upset the number three Jayhawks by five. Speaking of five, number five, Tennessee also lost by five to Mississippi State. Number 11, Marquette, was sitting pretty, winning by seven at half, but Butler went on an 11-0 run to take that win. VTech put up 53 points in the first half and still only had a lead by nine. They added to that lead, though, to beat number 21, Clemson, by 15. Thursday only had one upset. Number 23, Gonzaga, lost by one to Santa Clara in a close one. Number nine, Oklahoma had a rough week after losing to unranked TCU. They also lost to number three, Kansas, by 12. KU bounced back nicely after their loss. Texas A&M had no wins in the SEC before their overtime upset over number six, Kentucky. It was a close game and did actually go back and forth. The Aggies led by one at halftime with an impressive performance by guard Taylor, who put up 31 points by himself. Overtime was all Aggies, though. The Wildcats only scored three points in overtime. Washington State put on a great game to narrowly beat number eight, Arizona. That's the Wildcats' fourth loss this season, and they are still ranked that high. New Mexico killed number 19 San Diego State by 18 points. And then to wrap up the day, West Virginia upset number 25 Texas by three after a slow first half. And then after this crazy week, Sunday only had one upset. Maryland had two players over 20 points each to upset number 10 Illinois. On Sunday, the Fighting Illini had a slow second half. So if you were keeping track, that is number one, number two, number three, number five, number six, number eight, number nine, number 11, number 17, number 19, number 21, number 23, and number 25 all lost this week. So it was absolutely crazy. I would say it's March Madness, but it's in January. So maybe March Madness is starting early. And also on that, UConn is now the top spot, number one, for the first time since 2009 today. They overtook Purdue after, obviously, the crazy upset week that I just went over. Gonzaga has dropped out along with four other schools, and that means five other schools were newcomers in this week. TCU is the one who broke in the highest at number 19, obviously with two ranked wins this week. Also, Bronny James made his first start for USC, but it wasn't the dream start that you would want. USC led at halftime, but ultimately gave up the W and ended up losing that game. Also, Bronny went 0 for 7 in that game as well, three of those being three-pointers. 
I know last week we were in the middle of the national championship pretty much while I was doing the podcast. So obviously I got to go over the college football playoff national championship. Michigan's last natty was in 1997. Washington's was 1991. Not to date that, but that is literally the year I was born. Michigan has won 12 national championships, but only three since World War II. So that's kind of the, what we use as a threshold there. So really three national championships. And Washington has two. The top two teams faced off in Houston for the final of the final four college football playoff years. It took eight plays for Michigan to score for their first touchdown of the game. Washington retaliated with a field goal, but then Michigan put up another touchdown. After the next series of a Washington three and out and a Michigan tacking on another field goal and then Washington Washington going for it on fourth down and failing, it looked like the game was going to get out of hand. However, Washington pulled within a score before halftime and we went into the locker room 17 to 10. But the second half didn't go any better for the Huskies. First play of the game, quarterback Penix threw an interception. Michigan only managed to get a field goal off of that turnover, which felt like a win for the Huskies. Washington then got a field goal, and we had a lot of punts after that. So we were going into the fourth quarter, 20-13. to 13. It felt like Michigan was kind of trying to let Washington back into the game. Honestly, it was like every time you expected Michigan to just stomp on the neck of Washington, they just couldn't seem to walk through that door until the fourth quarter. So, and eventually they did break through. It was like they decided to turn on another gear in the fourth quarter. Quarterback J.J. McCarthy completed a 41-yard pass and then ran it in. Then they ran it in for a touchdown four plays later. Another interception and Michigan touchdown would seal the game and the Wolverines win the national championship 34-13. to it felt like Michigan was the better team in this game, despite Penix being the best, better quarterback. And it was just Michigan's year. I mean, there's just nothing else for it. So the whole, and there's been a bunch of buzz if Harbaugh is going to stay or he's going to go to the NFL. So there is still, as of today, which is an entire week after the national championship game, still no announcement by him whether he's going to return to Michigan or leave. However, on that note, the GOAT, of college football coaching, Nick Saban has retired after 17 seasons with Alabama. So he has been in the coaching game since 1973. He is 72. So obviously he actually flat out said that the college football season just takes a toll on you and it's year round. I mean, you've got to do recruiting and not only all the games and the travel, but constant recruiting and all of that as well. So he did mention something about health. Um, there's been rumors swirling about his wife's health, who we know they are extremely close. So he has been doing head coaching jobs since before I was born, 1990. He was head coach at Toledo, then Michigan State, LSU, and then he actually went to the Miami Dolphins in the NFL as well, and then to Alabama. His overall record in college football was 292 wins to 71 losses and a tie. He had seven national championships, six with Alabama and one with LSU. Like I said, he is truly a legendary coach that has transcended different eras of college football, and he has remolded multiple head coaches and assistant coaches. I mean, literally, you went there if you kind of needed a reboot, and then you would get – it was like your 
failure didn't even happen. Look at Steve Sarkeesian at University of Texas, Lane Kiffin at Old Miss. He is the guy that hired these men, trained them. So they saw the Saban way. Um, Jimbo Fisher's another one. Uh, Kirby Smart is another one. And they just kind of grew up under Saban and then went on to go be very successful elsewhere. So truly the goat of college coaching. And we wish you luck, coach, after, after this. So all that boils down to Saban left Alabama. So that left one of the biggest coaching jobs in the nation open. It was filled in less than like three days. So Washington's head coach, Kalen DeBoer, is moving to Tuscaloosa. And that also opened up Washington's uh, head coaching job, which now Arizona's head coach, Jed Fish, is then moving to take that job. So there will likely be a pretty big shuffle um, after this because, like I said, it's one of the biggest jobs of the entire in college football. I think there were only a couple coaches that the analysts that I listened to specifically cover three on CBS. Um, they were like, I mean, there's maybe, maybe five at the high end that would not consider Alabama a great job. You do have to follow Saban though. So that's about it for college football. And we wrap up the season. So unless there's some big carousel news, I really don't, I won't be covering that for a couple of weeks now. So sad. Uh, but in the NFL, there were wild card games this past week. Both Saturday games were blowouts. The first one, the Texans destroyed the Browns 45 to 14. The great run of quarterback Joe Flacco for the Browns officially came to an end after he threw back to back pick sixes. The second game was closer, but not by much. The Chiefs have struggled recently, but they were in good form against the Dolphins. The Dolphins just could not get anything going on offense. They only put up one touchdown in that game. The Chiefs scored 26 points. Then on Sunday, it was NFC wildcard game day, and the Packers put up 20 points in the second quarter to be up 27-7 to on the Cowboys in Dallas. But remember, the Jags did the exact same thing, and they came back from that exact score at halftime. So we knew it wasn't impossible, but the Cowboys' defense just did not have an answer for the Packers, and they piled on in the second half. They ultimately win that game 48-32. to That score looks way better than it actually was. This is the first loss for the Cowboys at home all season. Now, that is in direct contrast to the Sunday night game. That game came down to the final, like, two, six minutes-ish. The Lions were favored, and they drew first blood, putting up a touchdown on the first drive of the game. Detroit also booed Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford as he came out. If you're like, I don't understand why that's important, that's because Matthew Stafford was the quarterback for the Lions for years and all those years together, they had no love loss for leaving them, so that he got a nice boo when he joined the field. Now, the biggest lead that any team had in this game was the Lions led by 11 at two different points during the game, but the Rams always managed to make a comeback. Now, Detroit was up 21-17 at half. Second half was a whole bunch of field goals, literally not even a touchdown scored. With eight minutes left, the Rams kick a field goal to pull, pull within one point. Then the Lions went three and out and they punched it back to LA. So you're like, oh gosh, okay, here we go. Let's see if this is going to happen. But that would be as close as they would get. 
So, and uh, I will say I had to go back and rewatch the ending of this game because our local weather interrupted it with the winter storm that we didn't have. And uh, it was lovely. And then literally it cut back and it was like, and game's over. So I had to go back and rewatch it on a different, on like ESPN or YouTube or whatever. But, uh, but ultimately the uh, Rams did go 48 yards in six plays, but they did punt it with 407 left in the game and the Lions managed to get a first down. So they kneeled it to take their first playoff win in 32 years. That is literally how old I am. So that is 1991 that they win a playoff game. They will now host the next playoff game as well. If you're also like, wait, we're missing a game, that is because the Steelers game was moved from Sunday to Monday due to weather. So I will get to that in what to watch this upcoming week as well. There were also some pretty big shakeups in the NFL coaching world this week as well. So the Patriots and Bill Belichick have decided to part ways after a long time together. And the Seahawks and Pete Carroll have also decided to part ways. So it was kind of a big week. It was literally Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, and Nick Saban all all on the same day. So it was a crazy coaching carousel all, I think it was on Tuesday. So it was nuts. So we are going to hear a lot more about head coaching hires coming up and whether that is college coaches moving up or other coaches moving around TBD. But I will, of course, keep you updated. On the PGA Tour, Grayson Murray has been sober for eight months and is getting married in April, but he could also add 2024 PGA Tour winner to his great comeback year. The last time he won a PGA Tour title was in 2017 at the Barbasol Championship. A little bit of a different caliber with this one as he won the Sony Open and it went into a three-man playoff and he won sinking a 40-foot birdie putt in the playoff hole. Absolutely. Congratulations to him. That is his second PGA Tour title. And then just a super quick um, Olympic news. The International Gymnastics Federation, or FIG, gave 30 athletes neutral status for Belarus gymnastics athletes, meaning that they could compete in the Olympics if they qualify. And then Kenyans Agnes Nekcic not only broke the women's 10 kilometer world record, she broke it by 28 seconds. She is the first woman to run under 29 minutes. The old record was from two years ago and Agnes ran this in Spain. That pretty much wraps up what happened over the last week. Now let's go over what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. And we got a lot of basketball going on. In the NBA, Monday tonight, Spurs at the Hawks at 2.30 on TNT, followed by the Warriors at the Grizzlies at 5. Then on Tuesday, the Nuggets at the 76ers and the Thunder at the Clippers at 9, both on TNT. Wednesday, the Bucks at the Cavaliers at 6.30 on ESPN, followed by the Mavericks at the Lakers. Big brands there at 7.30 on ABC. Thursday, the Bulls play the Raptors at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Grizzlies at the Timberwolves at 9. And then wrapping up the week on Friday, the Nuggets at the Celtics at 6.30 on ESPN and the Mavericks at the Warriors at 9. Like I said, lots of basketball going on. There's a ton of ranked games this week in NCAA as well, but not a ton of ranked versus ranked games. There's only six. So Tuesday, number 24, Iowa State takes on 20 BYU at 8 p.m. That will be on ESPN+. Plus. Wednesday, we've got two, number 18, Creighton at number one, UConn at 6 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Then we got a showdown in the Big 12, number 25 and newly ranked Texas Tech at number five, Houston at 8 p.m. on ESPNU. 
Then on Saturday, we've got three different ranked versus ranked games, two in the Big 12 and one in the SEC. Number 24, Iowa State has a tough week. After taking on 20 BYU, they also will play number 19 TCU at 1 o'clock on ESPNU. BYU also has a double-ranked week. They will take on number 25 Texas Tech, another double-ranked team. So they've got a lot. There's a lot of ranked games going on. That is also because the Big 12 has more ranked teams than any other conference in college basketball. BYU takes on Texas Tech at 5. They will play on ESPN 2. And then the SEC matchup is 22 Ole Miss at number 13 Auburn. They play at 7.30 on SEC Network. We also have five ranked games on women's basketball and, frankly, a lot in the Pac-12. Number 5, UCLA at Colorado. Number 3, at 7 on Pac-12 Network. That will be Friday, followed by number 6, USC, at number 20, Utah, at 8. Then on Sunday, there's three ranked games in the women's side as well. Number 2, Iowa and Caitlin Clark take on number 18, Ohio State. They will play at 11 a.m. on NBC. Then number 13, Louisville takes on 23, UNC at 1 on ACC Network. And then at number 6, USC takes on number 3, Colorado at 2 for their second ranked game of the week, both for USC and Colorado, so they've got a tough week. They play at 2 on Pac-12 Network. In the NFL, we're rounding out wildcard games today. So the Steelers at the Bills are playing literally right now at 3.30 p.m. on CBS. And then the last NFC game, the Eagles at the Buccaneers at 7.15 on ESPN and ABC. That is actually a showdown of Sooner quarterbacks. It is Jalen Hurts versus Baker Mayfield. So on Saturday, we also don't know, even though we know who some of the games are going to be, like they've made the playoffs we don't actually know who's playing who because it's who's ranked higher gets the home field advantage so that's why you've got to wait till we see who qualifies so I'll kind of get to that here in a second but on Saturday the AFC the Texans will take on TBD at 3 30 on ESPN and ABC that is either the Chiefs or the winners of the Steelers Bills game or the Ravens so those are kind of the three options there then the NFC game on Saturday is the Packers at the 49ers at 7.15 on Fox. Sunday, the other NFC game is TBD on the winner tonight, the Eagles or the Bucks. They will take on the Lions at 2 on NBC in Detroit. And then Sunday Night Football, the other two AFC teams who don't play the Texans will play each other. That will be at 5.30 on CBS. The PGA Tour comes back to the States, and they will play in the American Express. That round one is at noon on Thursday on Golf Channel. Before it moves to 3 o'clock for round two on Friday, same with round three on Saturday. And then Sunday, the final round will also be at 3 o'clock, all on Golf Channel. We only have one game for the NHL that is on regular scheduled programming. That is Wednesday, the Blackhawks at the Sabres at 6.30 on TNT. For Olympic sports going on this week, NCAA women's gymnastics. We've got an SEC showdown on Friday. It's literally three teams back-to-back. Florida takes on Auburn at 5. Then Arkansas takes on Alabama at 6.30. And Kentucky takes on LSU at 8. That will all be on SEC Network. Then on Saturday, catch the World Cup skiing on um, Saturday on NBC at 4 o'clock. And we round out the weekend with women's gymnastics, Pitt versus Clemson at 3 on ACC Network as well. 
And then don't forget, this week is also the Australian Open started yesterday with round one. Remember, it is in Australia, so it's completely opposite of our time zone. So that's why the time and the watch times are a little bit funky. But basically, um, tonight, you can also catch it at 1030, round one on ESPN2. Tuesday, round one continues at 2 a.m. and at 11 a.m. on ESPN2. Round two begins Tuesday night at 8 that will play on ESPN2. Round two will continue all of Wednesday on ESPN2, straight across the board. Same on Thursday at 2 a.m. and 10 a.m. And then round three begins Thursday night at 8 p.m. That will be on ESPN. So same on Friday, round three, all day on ESPN2. Saturday, we finish out round three on ESPN2 on Saturday. You can also catch week one highlights. That will be on ABC. So if you see that, that will be at noon. And then round of 16 will begin Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Again, that will also be ESPN and move over to ESPN2 for Sunday. And that is round of 16. Then I will give an update on what's going on as obviously it just started like literally last night. Um, And so I will give an update on the Australian Open for next week's weekly update. That wraps it up for me this week. Like I said, I hope everyone had a wonderful MLK day, whether you got the day off or not. Definitely be sure you think of him and honor him in some way, shape, or form. Otherwise, I will keep you guys up to date with all that's going on around the world of sports. Check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports, for more. Like and subscribe, and I'll catch you all next week.